Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. I'm thinking of becoming a vegetarian. A vegetarian. A vegetarian. So wait, what if that was the line we had decided to go with? Then I was going to instead go like, I'm in a phase! I'm in a phase! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. These are not your strongest introductions. I'm sorry. That is so cute and clever. You come up with something no, from this is Mrs. Miniver. Come up with something for. Her. Yeah, it is. But I don't have to. How's it going, Mitha? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Tie tie. You know a little. A little tie tie. Oh, you're me now. You get to use that word, but I can't. No, it's still gross when I say it too. Oh, okay. Fair. I, but I'm saying it ironically. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you use my phrase? <laughs> In an ironic you. motion. Exactly. Mita, I saw a couple of movies. You did? What did you I see? Did. Uh, I mentioned to you, I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. Which was better than I thought it was going to be. Okay. That's I would, good to know. I think you'll enjoy it. I thought it was a movie that was meant for like Gen Z, hmm. but it was actually making fun of Gen Z. And you know yeah. how I feel of Gen Z. Yeah, so. Nadim hates Gen Z. Yeah. If any of our I'm here to learn from you, Jen. Get out of here, Mita. You hate them too. You're just not as vocal about it. I'm not. I don't hate them. Hate such a real, it's a strong word. I just don't understand them. And I want to understand them so I can make fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> the end sum is the same. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is, it is more satirical, which makes sense because it's distributed by A24. Mm-hmm. So it is smarter than it appears on the surface. There it also go. stars so many people I've never heard of before. Oh, I was like, you haven't heard of Pete Davidson? Pete Davidson and Maria Bakalova, but aside from that, like... Amanla? No. No? Oh. I don't know who these people are. They're young faces. But there's some decent writing, some decent acting. It's worth a watch. I saw it on big screen. You don't need to. Okay. I'll wait till I can watch it yeah, at home. Yeah, wait till you can stream it. Or I'll just go to your house and watch it there. Yeah, you could do that too. I wouldn't mind okay. watching it a second time, actually. There you go. I'll you'll watch it with it. your daughter. But I actually, what you think, what I think you'll actually really enjoy and what you should watch mm-hmm. is Darlings, starring oh, Alia Bhatt on Netflix. I've heard mixed reviews. Really? Who is the mixed from? I've heard people say that it's kind of irresponsible in what it represents in terms of like domestic violence. No, that's from people who don't understand it. Okay. Like flat out. It's not, <laughs> there's no irresponsibility there. And I'm going to say something... I'm going to say something because something's bothering me. Okay. And so I think Indian people, by and large, despite being so incredibly intelligent and educated and all of those things, have a very small grasp of things sometimes, especially when it comes to entertainment. Like it's like sarcasm? Sarcasm or like Darlings is a black comedy about domestic violence. Mm Mm-hmm. And at no point does it make it seem like it's okay. And at no point is it irresponsible about the message. But it is telling a story. And you have to be able to separate fact from fiction. Like, you have to know what you're watching is a film. And it's not like the movie saying, this is what people who have faced domestic violence should do. Oh, okay. It's not saying that. But it is saying this is this one individual woman's story. Whatever that story is. I guess I gotta is. see it then. You do. And I think you'll have an, you'll have an opinion of nothing else. Okay. But like everything else Alia Habat has done in her life, she's excellent in it. It's her first produced movie. And that says a lot about her film sensibility, I think. Yeah. And it was, it was a good watch. It was a really good watch. How are we feeling about the backlash that's been coming towards her and beer though? So that's actually the second thing I had. That was the thing that. Oh my gosh! Me. Look, look at, at us that. Uh, on page. So for those of our listeners who don't know and don't follow Bollywood as acutely, maybe Ranbir Kapoor, Alia Bhatt's husband, they both mm-hmm. actually have a huge movie coming out on September 9th called Pramastra, which is this special effects-ridden universe that's meant to be multiple parts. It's releasing 
in IMAX in North America, not just in India. Like, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And someone resurfaced an interview Ranbir gave years ago, <laughs> where in which he said he eats beef. Okay. That, as a Hindu person, do you want to talk about that for a minute? Because you are a Hindu person who eats beef. <laughs> I don't eat beef a lot. It's not like I have it every yeah, yeah. meal. No. I will eat beef if, like, the opportunity to have a really good steak Mm -hmm. is in my vision. Then, yes, I will eat the beef. Um, And if I want a burger, I will. But, like, I rarely eat it. But it is one of those things that I've battled internally of, like, do I be a good Hindu and not eat the beef or do I just eat the beef? And so I've decided that it's my choice and I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. It's 100% your choice to do whatever you want, whenever you want. But I do have, well, they're no longer with us, but I had one relative in particular that like if they saw me eat beef, I would not be sitting in front of you (laughs) right now. So he was like a strict vegetarian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they exist, of course. They exist, yeah. And you're entitled to that. But now Mm -hmm. what some... People on the internet are saying is that they should boycott Parmastra because it goes, yeah, it goes, you didn't know about this? I didn't know this. I knew other things. So the reason this whole thing came out is because Parmastra is releasing next week and people Mm -hmm. are saying to boycott it because Rinbir Kapoor is hurting Hindu sentimentalities (laughs) by, yeah, by admitting he eats beef. That's And there is this whole (laughs) campaign online on Twitter to yeah. boycott Bollywood, it's like a trending hashtag. Oh. Because there is a growing trend of intolerance in India mm-hmm. and ex- Hindu extremism. Okay. Is that fair to say? I don't feel like I can speak to it because I don't. Okay. I'm not aware. And like also, I don't live in India and like I don't know what the culture is like there. Okay. But I will say that that, like, that's been around. It's evident that one religion is preferred over the other in that country. Yeah. And I mean, I think before, before you know, decades ago or whatever, there was there is a, a large Hindu population. Mm-hmm. It just exists. But I think one of the beautiful things about India for so long was that it was a model of living in unity. Like there's always been issues. There's been communal issues. Those things always existed. But it was a model of how even after such a traumatic event as partition, Hindus mm-hmm. and Muslims and Sikhs, by and large, live together in peace. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you have isolated incidents and things. Now, it's not the case. And it is something that I follow quite acutely because it is affecting Muslims quite severely in India. And that level of intolerance, by the way, is not through every Hindu. And it's very clear, even on the internet, I, for, I don't even know me. My phone is listening to me. But Facebook is always presenting me with, like, pages from, like, in, like Indian-run pages by people who are either, like, Hindu extremists or people who are a bit more secular. And you, mm. I go in the comments and I read, and a lot of Hindu people are like, this is wrong. This is not how we are meant to be. Like, there's a lot of thought behind it that isn't from other people. It's specifically from Hindu people who are recognizing that, like, this is not tolerance. This is not cool. But yeah, this whole boycott Bollywood thing, the lack of tolerance, the lack of the fact that you're going to drum up something someone said like 10 years ago, and his personal choice is to eat beef. Cool, man. How does that affect his movie? Yeah, the two don't go hand in hand. Exactly. And that amount of intolerance that is kind of being bred there is it's scary, actually. And I think the smart people online are saying things like, you're going to boycott, we are going, we are approaching a recession when unemployment is going to hit a high. And you are actively advising people to just boycott something that is going to cause more unemployment. Hmm. Like, for what? Like, what is the purpose? What is the gain here? Yeah. But also, I just don't understand people's need to, like, have everybody have the same mindset that yeah, they do. Yeah, totally. Like, why? And that exists <laughs> That exists worldwide, right? Like, yeah. that sense of, like... And that look, that exists here with a lot yeah. of Gen Zers, too, right? The mm-hmm. cancel culture comes from that. Yeah. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I have... No. I, my tolerance for it is, like, on a real decline here for it. My Renbeer gossip was very different. Though. Oh, okay. So talk to me about your Renbeer gossip then. <laughs> Mine was that they're pulling these old interviews where he like 
puts down Katrina oh, and yeah. he put down Anushka and then he called Ali but Morty yeah. and like <laughs> people are coming for him for that which is a lot more frivolous than what <laughs> well, you were speaking I took that a different direction completely <laughs> yeah I was not going there in my mindset mine was just like they're trying to cancel him right now because yeah. he doesn't know how to talk to women <laughs> he was a dick like yeah. those interviews, I've seen them. I've, I mean, that one, recent comment too, though. Yeah, it's like she's Alia your pregnant like, she's wife pregnant with your child, <laughs> child, and you're calling her fat. Like that's not cool. Even if you meant it as a joke, it's just it's not funny. Well, especially while you're like you do it at home. That's your business. That's your marriage. But like, yeah. not on a mass a public interview. forum. Yeah, exactly. She's growing your child yeah. right now. And you should have yeah. seen her face. Her face was she wasn't even she was hurt not by impressed. it. But she was just like, "Are you dumb? Like, why are you saying this? Why right are you now? doing that? Yeah. You're so stupid." They got off camera, and she was just like, "Are you dumb? We're trying to promote a movie here." And usually she's pretty outspoken. Like, mm-hmm. have you seen that interview? It's with her and her dad. And her dad is going on going some rant. Off. And she's like, stop And she's like, talking. Papa, stop! <laughs> <laughs> but he was a dick. I've specifically seen some interviews with Katrina Kef. Because I think what happened was they were dating. He cheated. And then they still had to promote the film together. Yeah. And he's really rude to her. Yeah. Like, he's really, really rude to her. And she sits there and takes it. Like a classy lady. She's a professional. Like a yeah. professional woman. But like, he's not professional. He's not. And he's the one who, like, again, cheated on Katrina Kef and Deepika Padukone. So yeah. I don't know about that. He has some issues. Hopefully people think Alia will rein him in. Is she in that betting? I don't know. I don't know. But Sometimes she's arguably the more successful actor. And he's Which a good I think actor. works for him. He's good, but I don't think he should have success because I don't think It'll that would go well for him personally. Yeah. yeah. Like, I yeah. think her success is good for both of them. Yep. When, successful women. Successful women. No, I mean, successful yep. men, it works too. It's just not like, and the successful women, it could go to their heads too. I think just in their situation, she balances him out. Mm. I was trying to make a segue into a successful oh. woman. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of successful women, <laughs> Nita, what did we watch this week? This week we watched Mrs. Miniver. <laughs> yeah, we did. You want to yeah. give us uh, an intro or disco? Both A disco. Please let me. A British family struggles to survive the first months of World War II. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, that is pretty much it. That's That's the movie. That's the movie. That's it. So for those of our listeners who maybe didn't listen to the end of our episode for How Green Was Our Valley because it was as boring as the movie. <laughs> Mita and I watched this together. We did. we did! Mita came over to my house and watched my home theater because we could we had it on DVD. Mita had it, so we saw yes. it together. But we decided we, wouldn't, we didn't say anything about it. And we kept most of our comments to ourselves throughout the movie. Yeah. We were good. I mean, I wanted to make commentary oh, yeah. throughout the movie. I know you movie. did. And Mita did make one specific comment when we stopped for a brief break in between, which makes me think Mita did not like this. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. What did I say? You said we stopped at about the halfway point yeah, near where the war is starting. And you're like, good, maybe she'll do something. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I'll start off the... What I enjoyed the most about watching this movie was the experience of watching it in your home theater. Yeah, I will say that. (laughs) Watching it together was actually real fun. Yeah, it was nice. Nazim has a really nice theater, guys, so maybe he'll rent it out one day. Yeah, you could all come over. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, watching it together and having some candy (laughs) and a Coke Zero was was enjoyable for me. And even those, like, one-off comments. Like, we're not talking like we would regularly, but, like... Every now and then we just make a, like, a ha. Yeah. yeah. Ha ha. Like when the little kid tries to say vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) That was my... Favorite. That was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> the little line, kid, yeah. Toby, just in general. I think that comment de- stuck through because then we watched the second part yeah. and I still am kind of wondering, what did she do <laughs> during the war? I think watching it was one thing. At the end of it, I think our perspective would be so different if it just wasn't called Mrs. Miniver. Yeah, the whole time I was sitting there thinking like, okay, she's She's, Mrs. Miniver. Like, what's going to happen? And and at one point, it does get exciting. Something happens. I'll spoil it There's some real twists. Yeah. Legit. Like, 
at one point, a German soldier like lands in her backyard and he follows her into her house. But okay, did you notice she like kept that door wide open? Like, why are you letting him yeah. come into your house, <laughs> Mrs. Miniver? Yeah, why did shut she lock the door? It? Lock it. Yeah, and this German shoulder ha- shoulder, shoulder this German soldier has a gun. Yep. And he has the gun on her and I'm like, "Oh, this is when things are going to get like spicy." Yeah. And they flatline. They flatline so quickly. He passes out. She calls the cops. The cops take him away. The end. Not of the movie, but of no, that of situation. That story, yeah. And yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing, that something more was going to happen. Because yeah. Because I think my approach to these movies is a little different than yours. And mm-hmm. I think that's just our personal experience or whatever. I did not dislike this. And I actually thought it had some interesting things to say. Especially because if you think about it, we've never seen war from this perspective. This is true. We've never seen... There's two things about this. We've never seen war from this perspective from like average people living it like what it was like and that was really fascinating to see like what did the average person who just lived in a town that was bombed have to live through Mm -hmm. and like there is a sequence they have this beautiful house and they go pick up their son and they bring him home and their house is in shambles yeah and they're just like it but that's That's the way it is that's the way it is that's where they live right now and that was interesting because war from hollywood european cinema standpoint it's always about soldiers yeah. It's always about soldiers or, a, you know, Schindler's List is kind of its one-off, but there's a lot of soldier talk in that as well. It's all very tactical rather than every day. I will say I didn't hate this. Like, that is what I appreciated yeah. about this because my qualm with war films is that it's always about soldiers and battle, and I don't enjoy watching those types of movies and those scenes in particular and this doesn't have any of that and I did enjoy seeing the other side of it I just felt like in terms of pacing and the story being told like there wasn't a lot of we'll go back to Rambier there wasn't a lot of beef there like he wouldn't have <laughs> eaten this movie no <laughs> because there isn't there isn't a lot of meat like it I it's the day to day, but I don't know what is so attractive about that. And like the performances are very good and it's nice. It's just it's another movie to me that was just like, okay, this is nice. Yeah, I didn't. I think this was amazing. I really didn't. But I did like it more, especially as the movie finished. I think that was one thing, because initially, initially we were meant to see Mrs. Miniver as this, you know, hi-fi lady maybe Mm a little frivolous in her life and kind of unaware. And by the end of it, you do see the life she's experienced through this film and like what's happened and those changes. And I did like where that was going. I think one thing I'm also realizing is that the writing in these movies is not necessarily as sophisticated as it is now. And that's not a mark on the writers then. I just think storytelling was a little bit more simplistic. Was like a here's a a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And I think... I think if this had if this same or very similar story was to be done now, you would see a different approach. Like her frivolity, that hat that she purchases, you'd see it at the end. Yeah, and you'd that, see. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a big part of it, right? And I see what they were doing, and I could connect the pieces together. But there wasn't that connective tissue didn't really exist in the movie <laughs> itself. Mm-hmm. You kind of just understood. I you were trying to say this. But you aren't actually saying this. Well, I also was just sort of harped on like, what are you trying to tell me about roses? Like, what the is roses the roses were so much? It was a lot. I was trying to understand like, what's the connection here? What's the like the the symbolism of this this beautiful rose? Because like, I thought maybe if the rose had gotten destroyed or something, that would make sense to me. It's like, oh, the war destroyed her as a person or something like that. I think it's the exact opposite. I think the idea is, is that like rose rise from adversity, right? Like something so beautiful and so classic mm-hmm. comes from the dirt surrounded by thorns. And okay. I think that's me- that's meant to be the symbolism that Miss Miniver is a rose that through the war she comes through the dirt she comes through the thorns and she still maintains herself with some dignity. That's fair, I guess. The other thing I thought, oh, sorry, go on because I'm going in a different. Well, direction. then I've like if I'm going to write this movie though, I so spoiler alert: her mm-hmm. daughter-in-law dies. Which in this. big twist? Big twist. Did not see Did that. Did not one see coming. that coming. Yeah. No, I thought Vin was gonna. I die. thought the son was going to die, or the husband. I thought a man was going to die. Yeah, but no, someone died by which I. This was 
the other part of the movie that I thought was the most interesting is that she died. I, so they were shooting from above and one of the bullets must have hit her from above. So yeah. she was a casualty of war. Yeah. Like it wasn't like she was fighting in a no, battle. Yes. No, like this just happened like by circumstance. And I would have had her win the Rose winning the competition mm-hmm. after she had died instead of before she had died. Okay. Because then you really are, you yes. know, there is that triumph there. Yeah. Something tragic and terrible has just happened to you, but your Rose is still standing. Yeah. But yeah. that was also, I think the problem with the rose is that it was a mixed metaphor. There were two things going on there. The rose itself was meant to depict Mrs. Miniford, that she was meant to symbolize her. But the whole story about Carol's grandmother, I forget their name. I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the like feudal family, her yeah. realization that she comes from privilege. And yeah. that like what's happening there. And for her to make that acknowledgement that... I'm only here because I kind of force myself to be here. Whether it's like, am I winning authentically or not? That's not the question. So it was, there were two things going on there. And in order for both of them to happen at the same time, they do it before. But I agree with you. That should have happened at the end. Lady Belden. Lady Belden, yes. Yes, oh, Lady Belden. The other thing I thought was super fascinating about this was Mm -hmm. we were watching this movie, technically speaking, when it came out, the war was still going on. Yeah, that's kind of wild right? to think about. Yeah. If you think like, about it, the war There's a was, commentary, yeah. Yeah, it's a commentary on something that is existing cuz this came out this is the 1942 winner and it came out in 1942. So we were like dead smack in the middle of the war right now. That's kind of wild. Yeah. And so this Especially is a commentary like, on war while the war is going on. Winston Churchill once said that this film had done more for the war effort than a flotilla of destroyers. And I can, I was just going to say that because I can totally see why this won. Oh, yeah. I I get that in terms of like the timeline. The timeline, yeah. Yeah. It's people finding something that they can actually relate to. And then find hope in. Yeah. I think the fact is Miss Miniver represents hope. Like she is this woman, a distinguished, classy woman who still survives... And is able to come out on top. But I find the focus isn't on yes, her. Yes, that's the problem. It's mo- actually more focused on the men there. Like, you look at the husband, the son, and the priest. Like, the priest is the one who gives this, like, grand speech at the end of the film. And he's the one that's invoking... He's the Barack Obama of this movie. Like, he is invoking all this hope into the audience. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with Mrs. Miniver. So why is she the namesake of the film? Because that's kind of what it was, right? Like at the time, you ex- you lived through it. You mm-hmm. didn't experience it. Especially the average person didn't experience war like Saving Private Ryan. This is actually how they experienced it. She is meant to represent just things happening around you. Her husband goes to Dunkirk. Her, hus- her son is a fighter pilot. Her daughter-in-law dies. She is the one, she's like experienced with the German soldier. Like there's things happening to and around her. But she's actually quite in uh, unimportant. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes her important. It's sort of the casual, like the casualness. Ca- yeah. Like yeah. That's just, she's just living. She's just there. And all these things, these major things are happening around her. She just be. She just be. I once read in grade 12 in mm-hmm. high school, I read a book called Fifth Business. Okay. That I hated. But the whole idea of Fifth Business that was that it was about this man who, this was 20 years ago, so give me a minute. But even though he was. <laughs> How dare you yeah, not yeah, remember. Exactly. Even Your though book he, report. Even though he wasn't. Even though he was the main character of the book, he was just a person things happened around. And that's what Fifth Business referred to. Like, oh, he was not a main he's character. He's like a fifth party. Gotcha. He's a fifth party. And she's kind of the same thing. She's kind of... Miss Miniver is this person who things happen around. And how she deals with those things is the matter of hope. Is the fact that you as a per Think about this. You're living through World War II and you're at home with your kids and your son is off to war and who knows where your husband's like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you are a hero in your own right just to be able to carry yourself with dignity i think for that time then that this movie makes sense but i feel like audiences nowadays would want something more which actually when i think about it is kind of worse like what do you mean i like that this is a little like it's reserved yeah whereas i think today it would 
the focus would be on her so much more and people would want to see her in like a larger role. Yeah. And like she was like a nurse, like she would have to do something. Yeah. And I think I completely agree with you that I think the power in this is that she doesn't. She's just living because, look, I have not lived through war and I have never seen this perspective. So while it does seem like this is pointless because like we're just watching this woman live through war, it is an in- it's a very interesting perspective to watch. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like if it was today, there would be a, like a big monologue that she would have. Oh, my God. She, yes. Like, yeah. And it would be too swooping of a film. Yes. And, and they would have swooping. Nicole Kidman as Mrs. Miniver. <laughs> you would absolutely have Nicole Kidman or Nicole Kate Winslet as Mrs. Miniver. Oh, yeah. Who would be the daughter-in-law? Oh, like a Florence Pugh or a... Oh, Flo. Yeah. We did not talk about We did about not that. talk about Flo. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. But we can reserve that because I feel like more drama is coming before it releases. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There will be more videos exactly. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, someone <laughs> like a Florence Pugh. And I do think... I think the focus would be more on the women in the modern day. And I actually think that would be a detriment to what the movie's actually trying to say. Of this Mrs. Miniver. But I do think, like, in the modern day, we should have a more female-focused war film. Whereas, like, we Uh, have things like A League of Their Own. Like, what were the women doing when the men were at war? They were playing baseball. I disagree with that. I think we do need a female-focused movie about war. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I think it should just be about something different. Like, I don't think if like you're going to remake... War? <laughs> no, I just don't think that should... Like, the focus of Mrs. Miniver is to show that, like, the average human being, this is what their life was, and that you can go through the traumaticness of war, and you can be existing in it. Because you have to remember, they were literally living war at that time. So this mm. was not just, like, a retrospective... Like, there were people who did this. This was, like, a message to people to be, like, you can live like this during this. That's powerful. It's like propaganda in a very subtle subtle way. And it's dignified propaganda because it's not selling country. It's not selling patriotism. It's just essentially it's selling. Well, I was sitting there watching this thinking, why would I ever care? Like, I I love Canada. Like, I love living here. I love being a Canadian. But I don't think I have enough patriotism to be like, we need to fight for our country. (laughs) I don't I don't know what that's like. No, I don't know what that's like. And I don't want to live in a, in a scenario where I have to exactly. think that way. Exactly. But these people were. Yeah. Right? These people literally were living that. That sequence where they're in like a bomb shelter outside their house, I was like, could you imagine? No. <laughs> like, could you imagine that that was, but that was an average person's life at that time. That's so scary. So scary. I don't like it. <laughs> it's not nice. It's not nice. This movie accomplishes a lot and very clandestine. But overall, it still is slow. And it's still kind of blah. It's slow enough that Nadim did fall asleep. fall asleep, yes. Now, if you had asked me before I went over there, if you had asked me to wager money, which one of us would have fallen asleep? It would have been me, totally. It would have been me, no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Like, you put me on a couch, I can fall asleep, no problem. I stayed up through this whole film, and then I chatted for a whole (laughs) other hour after, and was, like, alive, and I was ready to record. (laughs) I was not, yeah. We're recording later in the week, purely because of me. Nadim... Needed a nappy I nap. Needed a nap in the yeah. middle. By nap, I mean like full out sleep. <laughs> really? You were like not. I didn't know. I was tired. Oh, yeah. It's just been a well, long. Well, thank week. you for watching it with me. No, I actually really <laughs> like. I really enjoyed it, and I think, I I think if I had watched it alone, I would have had to do it in two parts. Like I wouldn't have been able to sit through it in one part. Yeah. I think. I think this is a movie that is also taking me. It's retrospectively when I think about it, I'm able to assess it better than in the moment. Because in, in the, the moment, moment, it's I was bored. Yeah, I was yeah. bored and nothing was really happening. But this is one of the few movies where nothing happening is the point. It makes sense. It in makes this complete film. sense. It's not just like how green was I Valley with it's you're just supposed to experience life through these people, but why? I don't understand how green it was my valley. Yeah. This I understand. But it's the same guy. We watched two Walter yes, Pigeon yes, movies. Yes, yes, yes. It is the same guy. Yep. And he used, maybe that's just his storytelling. Now I have some hot goss oh from the God. set of Absolutely. Mrs. Miniver. From 1942. Yes. So did you know that Greer Garson, who plays Mrs. Miniver, after filming this film, she married Richard Ney, who is the actor who played Vin. 
She married really. Her son. She married her son, son. from the movie. Oh, they didn't last. Yeah, okay. It was only a few years, but she did marry the boy that played her son. That's weird. Was there a big age difference? I I think like ten years or something. Oh wow. Yeah. She was beautiful. Also, I just wish there was a little more explanation. Like, how do they have this like nineteen-year-old kid, and then they also have like this like eight-year-old? <laughs> how old are Judy and Toby? You Young, know? but Mita. This yeah. actually segues into something else I wanted to say. Oh. The Christianity in these movies is very prevalent. Very prevalent. Very prevalent. <laughs> yeah. But I that is of the time. Of the time, right? Yeah. So they were probably not using contraception. But then you would think there'd be more children. Like, did in they between? take a break for... Uh, yeah. <laughs> did they yeah. take a break? <laughs> maybe they took a break. Oh, maybe World War One. World War One. Okay. Maybe she had like a miscarriage or something in between. Oh, poor Mrs. Miniver. Poor Mrs. Miniver. (laughs) All these fictional scenarios. Mrs. Fictional Mrs. Miniver is going through. Which I will say bodes well for this movie because I wanted to know more about this family. Yeah, and her specifically. I did want to know more because she's a very compelling character. Yeah, she's nice to her servants. Yeah, she's nice to her servants. She is dignified. Without being snobby. She buys that cool hat. She got on a bus to go home to get to the train station and she made the bus stop so she could go back and buy a hat. Yeah. I was like, who hasn't done that? (laughs) (laughs) You can't stop the bus anywhere these days, but you have gotten off the bus and gone back to buy the hat. And gone back to get the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Miniver was the original to get, they go named back a and rose the after her, guys. They what? They named a rose. They named a rose after her. Which at first I was like, uh, I was a little concerned that this man was creeping on her. The way he was looking at her and the way he was looking at that rose. I was like, is this what the movie is? Yeah. Like, does it, she have a stalker? Is this Miss Miniver's stalker? No, but he dies too, right? Yeah, but they don't even give him, like, they don't, they just, like, mention it in passing. I wish he had a more prominent He had death. a moment. He should have had a moment. Yeah, he should have had, he deserved a moment. Yeah. And we should have seen him dying clutching the rose. Oh, Mita, that's too much. <laughs> no, he loved that rose so much. I, I can't get behind that. He did love that rose a lot. <laughs> yeah, like a little too much. <laughs> he was nominated for an Academy Award, too. Really? Yeah, Henry Tra- Travers. He was such a cute little old he man. He was a nice little old man. Also, Greer Garson looks a lot like Susan. Susan Sarandon looks a lot like Greer Garson. You mentioned that. But yes, Susan Sarandon, whom I like as an actress, if she's a little renegade sometimes, doesn't have the Greer Garson in this looks like very dignified, very mm-hmm. like proper, like a classic, like a British classy, beauty. classy British woman. Yeah. Although, did you? Their accents were like very subtle to me at first. I didn't realize they were in England. Oh no! I heard it took it. me a while to clue in. Oh, I couldn't. It's because the sound on this was really bad. <laughs> okay, that wasn't just me. It wasn't just you. <laughs> the sound itself was kind of piss poor. That did not help matters. In and out. In and out. Oh, but she did win Best Actress. She did win Best Actress, yeah. Look this. at you, Greer. Have we seen Greer in anything else? Like on this podcast or just in general? In general, yeah. <laughs> have you seen anything with her? I don't think I have. I know the year before, both she and Walter Pigeon were in, oh, what was it called? It also was nominated for Best Picture. They were in a movie together. As well, but I don't remember the name of it oh, right now. Oh, she was the original Elizabeth Bennet. Elizabeth Bennet, yeah. And Pride and Prejudice. Blossoms in the Dust. Oh my god, what a title. Blossoms in the Dust. Is that a song? Mm-hmm. No, I just made oh, that up. Oh, you just up. made it up. But <laughs> did you know that there is a sequel to this? Yes, it's called The Miniver Stories. Yeah. What's which it about? I think we should watch it. You think? Yeah, I think we should try to find it. What's it called? The, the Miniver Story. Just singular. Is it just like how they got together? Let's see. Hold on. I'm just reading the quick plot on IMDb. The story, told partially in flashback and narrated by Clem Miniver, commences on VE Day as Clem and Judy return home from war service and Toby returns from a foster family in the United States. What? They got rid of Toby? To Toby. <laughs> Toby, you guys, is the their son in this movie and he is the light of this film. He's the humor. Oh, is um, she, he's, maybe she dies. Miniver? Yeah. No. They're, I think maybe they put her to work in the war. What does she do for a living? Oh, also tidbit, Mita. No mention is made of the eldest Miniver's son, Vincent, who appeared in the earlier film, possibly because Greer Garson and Richard Ney 
mm-hmm. had married and been divorced by the time yep. the Miniver story was produced in 1950. Well, also, he probably went to go live with Carolyn's grandma. I saw yeah, how maybe. he went to her. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, he wanted to be her caretaker. Omita. What? She does die. No. Yeah. Why did you spoil it? <laughs> <laughs> how does she die? I don't know. You're not going to watch this. We're not actually going to I'm going to find it. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to find it, and I'm going to bring it over to your house, and we're going to watch Mrs. Miniver. No, we already watched Mrs. Miniver. We're going <laughs> to watch the Miniver story. story. How dare she die? That's What is Clem going to do? Clem needs her. Oh, it's on Apple. Oh. You can rent oh, it. Oh, it's it's happening. Instead, of, we, we were going to have a Top Gun marathon, <laughs> but instead, we're going to watch Miniver story. We're going to watch Miniver story. Okay. That's if fine. it's boring, we can turn it off. Yeah, this one we don't have to commit to. Yeah. But, yeah, she dies. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert, guys. Now yeah. I want to see how she dies, though. Well, don't go into it if we're actually going to watch this. Can I just say, yeah. like, I feel bad for Judy. Nobody <laughs> gives Nobody. Judy any attention. <laughs> yeah, the boys do get all the attention. Yeah. Is Judy in Miniver's she story? Is, yes. Okay. Are they the same kids or no? No, they're older. No, but like, did they? How many years apart are these movies? I don't know, Mitha. Let's just wait and watch. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have sequel prequel ideas? Well, I mean, I want (laughs) to watch Miniver Story. I would like to know how um, Clem and Kay got together, like what that romance was like, because I do find them to be an interesting couple. He's really good looking. Like, he's very distinguished. Yeah. What did we say? John John Ham meets. I said John Ham, kind of. You did. You said John Ham meets somebody, but I don't remember yeah, who. Now. I don't know who the meets was. <laughs> I feel like he reminds me a little bit of Humphrey Bogart, like at the stature. Oh, interesting choice of actor. Why? Oh, uh-huh. I forgot. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I would like to see what happens in Miniverse story. But yeah. I also was like, justice for Judy. Like, I want to know what's Judy up to. So like, does she become like, a nurse? The Judy story. Yeah, or like, you know, she, they both, her and Toby loved Carol. Like, how did that affect them in the long run? Having Carol die like that. Traumatic. That's so sad. But we don't hear about that because there's no reference to Vin. No. Sorry. Oh, Vin. Vin, I don't like Vin. Vin was kind of, yeah, I didn't So like wishy-washy. I wasn't a fan of Vin. <laughs> nah. Also, I feel like we spend too much time on their love story. Yeah, especially, Overall. well, but I get that because it's supposed to have the impact of her, her being the casualty of yeah. war. Rather than him. Because in the beginning, I was kind of just like, why is this called Mrs. Miniver if this whole movie is about their love story? Mm-hmm. Maybe, well, so as I was watching it, I was like, oh, maybe she doesn't like her and she like interferes and like that's who Mrs. Miniver is. But no, Mrs. Miniver is just a nice lady. <laughs> She's just a nice British lady. <laughs> She's a nice British lady. Do you want to go into your rating? Yes, I yes, will. Please do. So the Mrs. Miniver, I did not like it in my viewing experience. I enjoyed my viewing experience because I was sitting on a nice sofa and I had candy. But I did not enjoy it in that moment because it is boring. It is like a slow burn. And I found myself like creating new stories for myself to enjoy. Like I wanted her to become like a spy somehow with the Germans or something like that. I thought something really cool um, and intense, and I guess something more modern was going to happen in this old-fashioned film. And I need to stop doing that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> That's my lesson learned. <laughs> I need to lower my expectations um, and forget about all the Marvel movies that I've oh my God, seen. <laughs> I just said that to bug you. I don't actually think <laughs> that every movie should be a Marvel movie. Um, but you're right. Like, after a few days, the burn kind of, like, I was going to say swells within you. <laughs> that's so gross. It's a little gross. Yeah. <laughs> that's so gross. I don't think that's what you mean. Um, it sits with you. Yeah. And I can appreciate that this was a perspective that I've never seen before in a warm film. And for me, particularly, like that's actually very refreshing because I don't like warm movies. Yeah. And I would classify this as a war movie, but it's one that I actually think is enjoyable because you're getting that other point of view. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's like overtly simplistic? Yes. Is it enjoyable? There are like some moments like Toby, for instance, the child in this yeah. movie, he is like the light and he does make you laugh. And I think 
they do a good job of having sort of this like harrowing war story of what's going on, but still have that levity of life that you do need. And it is very realistic and it's not realistic in a way that you're just like you're falling asleep unless yeah. you're in a theme. <laughs> so all in all, <laughs> the Miniver. I don't know if I necessarily agreed that this film should have been titled Mrs. Miniver and I because I don't know if it does a great job of ex- of exemplifying her as a, her stature, I guess. Like, I think it does take a while to kind of get the reference between her and the rose and everything that's going on. And I think that there could be like some more there, but it is an enjoyable film. And so for Wait, that, I will. Before you give your rating. Does it deserve an Oscar? Yes. It's Oscar Let me take, story. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's Oscar story. Yeah. Let's take a look, shall we? Hold on. What else was nominated? Because I feel like that's important to recognize when making said decision. So the other nominees for this year are films titled like 49th Parallel, King's Row, Random Harvest, The Magnificent Ambersons, The Pied Piper, The Talk of the Town, The Pride of the Yankees, (laughs) Wake Island, and Yankee Doodle Dandy. None of these I have seen nor heard of, and they all seem to center around wartime. You haven't heard of The Pride of the Yankees? Yes, sorry. I have. I feel like But I you've have not seen, if, yeah, nor I do seen. I have any ambition to see them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting to me because they do all kind of seem, like, based off the titles and the posters, they follow along, like, this wartime and what's yeah. going on. So I think that that's really interesting based off of my looking at the posters of this movie (laughs) basically judging movies by their covers i do think that this would probably be the most realistic point of view and i think when you look at like the accolades that came in following like with winston churchill saying like this actually helped what did he say exactly i said it earlier this film had done more for the war effort than a flotilla of destroyers I think that that is really commendable. And in a year of film, you want to take, you want to congratulate something that has made an impact like that. So for this, I will say yes. Based off of the other movies that I've seen sort of in this timeline, I think that it does deserve its win. But that's solely based on the fact that I have not seen any of the other ones and they all look boring to me. So my rating for, for Mrs. Miniver is a solid three stars. Okay. Nadim? My turn. Your turn. Yes. So this is, I would say, a movie that retrospectively is definitely stronger than in the moment. Because I do think it takes some time to... I think we come from a time of immediate gratification. And where stories and movies in general have to be, like, pithy. And they have to be quick. And they have to be sarcastic and funny. Like, they have to be a lot all at once. And movies back in the day didn't. And so the expectation of the films were just different. And that's really difficult for us to sep- like remove ourselves from because we live in this time. We watch those movies regularly. I watched two movies that were well-written and well-directed but had very different tones, very modern movies, and then watched this. So obviously, it, it does kind of skew it. I watched Darlings on Sunday and we watched this on Monday. So obviously it skews your viewing experience. And so once you remove yourself and you're kind of able to understand what the goals of the movie was, what it was trying to do, what the simplicity actually meant, you appreciate it more. And I think that's actually really powerful. I think it's the things I think about this movie, about the fact that like we've never seen war from this perspective and that this was a war movie during war is, it's amazing. And I think even just from like a, like a social standpoint, it's fascinating. Like this was a war movie during war to watch and to watch something on screen to think that like, you know, at a time someone was sitting in the theater watching this and there were, you know, airplanes flying over their theater. There's something very interesting about that. And so I really enjoyed that about it. I find that really fascinating that it was made because I don't think you could do that now. I don't think you would be allowed to make a movie while something is going on until it was done. Yeah. Like I was just thinking when they made W. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like the Hurt Locker. Yeah. Or like things that are, you know, experiences that we've gone through. Things about like 9-11, for instance. And like well, 9/11. even things that come up about 9-11 now, there's always a conversation of like, is this necessary? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting that in 1942, there was a movie that came out in the middle of a war 
And people applaud it for having done that and having been impactful and having been important to the war effort. That's that's really powerful. And I think what it really says is the power of movie is actually really strong. And that's something to marvel at. So this movie has a lot of things that like when you look, when you kind of separate yourself from the viewing experience, it's very impressive and does deserve best picture for all those reasons. Like it's kind of obvious when you think about it, why it won, because it was really important and it probably did make people feel better about their circumstances and it probably gave people hope and understanding and like she was mrs miniver was probably this role model for not just women but men as well of like how you can experience and go through something so traumatic and still come out on top so it's great as a view singular viewing experience it is a little dry as are many black and white movies Many, many black and white movies. But I don't think I would like this in color. No, I wouldn't. No. I like this. And I don't need a remake of it, despite the fact that we've talked about it, because I think a remake would actually ruin that simplicity. And it would ruin that softness. And it would ruin that, like, everydayness of it. This movie would have to be so much more. And I don't need to see that. Even if it stars Kate Winslet and Florence Pugh as mother and daughter-in-law, which would be amazing casting. But I don't need to see that. In this form. They could do it in another form. They could make- Timothy Chalamet as Vin. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But generally speaking, this was really nice. And I'm also going to give it... Oh, I was actually before this going to give it two and a half. Oh. Yeah, I was going to give it two and a half. But talking about it, I'm going to give it three. Because I think I respect it way more after the fact. And especially talking it out with you. There you go. So three stars for Mrs. Miniver. How about that? Were you always going to give it three or was it this conversation yeah. that kind of changed it? I was always going to give it three. I I have to let go of the like, why is this not like movies today? <laughs> like, why really is this do. so Because <laughs> it's, it's we've got a so while to hard. go. <laughs> it's hard to let go of those things. And I'm just speaking for the people, you know, I think modern day people. But I like Gen Xers are, <laughs> would watch this and be like, what is this? <laughs> Gen Zeros would watch it. And fall asleep. We <laughs> are millennial. I know. I am yeah. a millennial. No, I think that, and that's really disappointing. That, like, I think our need for immediate gratification and not letting things kind of just be what they are. Like, I couldn't yeah. recommend this to anybody because people would be like, "Oh my god, it was so boring." But I actually would recommend it to someone like me who doesn't like war films. Would you? Did you get some? I mean, I don't know. Mm. A more mature me. <laughs> yeah. A more mature version of myself. Yeah, that's fair. Someone who doesn't want to know about Rambeer and his canceling <laughs> because he doesn't talk to women properly. The beef things make sense, but the you're not getting my point. It's okay. You can go. No, I'm out. really not getting what you're trying to say. No, you so have to like me, me, I'm frivolous and I wanted to hear more about him like not being able to speak to women respectfully. Oh, yes, yeah. Whereas you were just like, no, people are getting mad at him because he eats beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two very different points. Yeah. We are just two very different people. Yeah, it's true. But we're also the same. <laughs> we're same, same, different, different. <laughs> okay. We have uh, a movie to watch next week that we're going to introduce that you've all definitely 100% heard of. And not sarcastically, you actually know what we're watching. But before we get there, Mita, what am I connecting to The Shallows? So last week you connected what to The Shallows? I connected connected Love Actually to The Shallows. To The Shallows. Okay, so this week you, Nadim, Mm. are connecting The Shallows to The Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. A movie filled with people. Filled with people. Yes. I can't remember okay. any of them. <laughs> and your timer starts now. Okay. Blake Lively from The yeah. Shallows. Sure. Oh, Blake Lively was in The Town with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was in Bounce with Gwyneth Paltrow, who is in The Royal Tenenbaums. There you go. That was a nice, easy one for you. Was that? That's not. I actually fa- figured a longer way of doing it, but oh, okay, that works. Gwyneth was also the only person I could think of. Is Bill Murray in the Royal Tenenbaums? Yeah, basically anybody <laughs> who's in who is their in, movie, yeah. his movies are in the Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. Well, I'm proud of that. But I was gonna do Blake Lively was in Cafe Society, which is a Woody Allen directed movie. 
who also directed Midnight in Paris with Owen Wilson, who is in the Royal uh, Tenenbaums. Okay. That's, I think that's the same degrees. It's two degrees. Yeah, there, yeah, you, go. there you go. How about that? Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. <laughs> Look at us. Okay, Mita, what are we watching next week? Next week, Nadim, we are watching Casablanca. Blanca? Blanca. 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 Who knows? See, I told you guys, um, you know what we're watching. It's not a mystery. It's not Mrs. You don't Minnesota. know. There could be somebody there who's just like, what's they, Casablanca? They've, no, they, that doesn't exist. <laughs> I think everybody knows Casablanca. Blanca? I don't know. How do you say it in repose? I say Casablanca. Casablanca. Okay. I think it's Blanca. Let's ask someone. We'll have to go there to find out. (laughs) Have you seen this before, Mita? Yeah, but I don't remember it at all. No, okay. Yeah. I've seen it a couple of times, yeah. And once I took my wife to the theater here, not the theater, like the NAC, the National Theater. Not your basement. Not my basement. And they did a live viewing of it where the uh, With the live score? With the live score. It was beautiful. That's cool. I loved it. I saw that with Harry Potter once. We did West Side Story and then we did Casablanca. She'd never seen either of them, actually. It was, I love it. It's a, it's such a An nice education. Experience. Look at you. Yeah. You're just like Peter Sarsgaard. I know. But then it makes me feel super, <laughs> super pretentious because when people are like, so what are you doing? We're going to the theater to listen theater. to the orchestra. <laughs> Nerds. Okay. <laughs> but that's for next week. Yep. Parting words meets. There will always be roses. Actually, in retrospect, based on this conversation, that is a really nice line. Because there's always going to be perseverance. How nice. That's very hopeful. Yes, this is Barack Obama's movie. <laughs> well, hope. Yeah, probably. Maybe there's, this is where he got everything. This is Maybe. Maybe she's where his speechwriters got it from. Yeah, They're like, Miniver. yo, let's watch Mrs. <laughs> Miniver tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for... Casablanca Blanca. <laughs> what, however you pronounce it. Wow, we're terrible. Have a lovely week. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number 2 Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>